Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Hello and salutations, Larry Smith, Mike Kangley, Brad Sturdy, Patrick Quinn on audio. This is the Sports Spectacular. And uh, with that, we want to say hello to those of you in Denmark. We we appreciate you listening in uh, on the internet, and, and thanks so much. Uh, hey, coming up later on this hour, Trent Meacham, who knows a bit about uh, playing ball overseas, former pro basketball player, former Illini star. He's now an analyst for Big Ten Network. He would join us a bit later. Looking forward to getting his perspective uh, on this. You know, uh, Mike Eckley, you always say, uh, if you're across the country, around the world, IlliniGuys.com has you covered clearly your message is getting out there. Denmark. I I'm just one of those guys who's got a lot of knowledge to share with people. <laughs> and he just what I was thinking. Thing. Exactly what I was exactly. thinking. That's right. exactly. Yeah. What Brad was thinking, we can't say on the air. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, we don't get taken off the air. Uh, and like starting off with that. There you go. <laughs> off the bat, there we go. Hitting a home run. Uh, looking forward to uh, talking to uh, Trent a bit later. Hey, guys, crazy college basketball season. We're, we're resurrecting a segment that we haven't done in a while, and it's really a shame. We will ask your Brad later this hour, our very own Brad Sturdy, the ultimate Illini basketball insider who brings the nuggets all the time on IlliniGuys.com. Uh, those members already know what he's about to tell you, but we thought we would throw it out there anyway. So you can uh, nibble on it uh, before those become stale. All right. Well, let's let's tip off here with the Illini Hoops at Wisconsin, 2 p.m. Saturday on Fox at 2 p.m. Central Time. Uh, guys, Illinois coming off a strong performance Tuesday night against Ohio State. Yeah, they played well, um, especially defensively. They did a fantastic job forcing Ohio State into tough twos. Um, held them to they missed a lot of, you know, miss a lot of shots and Illinois, even though they didn't shoot the ball well, their defense was good enough that they were able to have a, you know, what, what was a fairly easy win. They had a 17 point lead with four minutes to go, even though the final says nine, they pretty much controlled the game the entire second half. So um, good win for them. And now they get a tough uh, rematch first rematch of the season uh, when they play at Wisconsin. Yeah. And I was happy to see balance scoring with, with four line I and double digits and it may be, as Brad has mentioned, uh, if folks who listen to our Eye on the Illini podcast, it may be that you have the right guys shooting free throws. Your free throw percentage looks better. But I was still very happy to see the Illini hit 16 for 18. If they had had a, a quote, normal night at the free throw line, that game might have been a little bit of a nail biter. Well, and speaking of free throws, Brad Underwood mentioned after the in the added debacle, uh, he said, hey, our guys are tired. Look at our free throws. Look at that. They were a season low, 9 for 23 against the Hoosiers last Thursday, bouncing back 16 for 18 to your point. So certainly um, that does, uh, you know, go to what Underwood was talking about. How about Matt Meyer also? He was sick in that Indiana game, went 0 for 4, didn't score um, he did so many things um, on both sides of the courts, uh, both sides of the court for, for the Illini. Uh, Brad, is this something that, that it, how much of a key is his play for this Illini team? It seems like when, when he's good, Illinois can be very good. Yeah. Since you've seen him really start clicking, Illinois has been playing a lot better. And I think that's been a key. And against Indiana, of course he had the flu and I, don't, I think he was scoreless and played very few minutes. Didn't just couldn't, wasn't with it. I mean, just wasn't right. Um, I think he and, uh, you know, of course, the ultimate X factor for Illinois is probably Coleman Hawkins, because he's like the, 
the ultimate that is when he's good, Illinois is good too. So I think those two guys have, are the keys to Illinois season. Myers got to stay healthy and Hawkins has to kind of be there every game. Yeah. And I think Hawkins even, even more than his up and down play. I think what determines how well he plays is if he's aggressive and decides to use his six foot 10 frame, if he goes inside and battles for rebounds on the offensive and defensive end and and takes advantage of height, you know, of his height advantage over other defenders. Uh, he is really a handful for other teams. Yeah, six ten, two hundred. Uh, the great play on the uh, had a couple of very nifty moves underneath where the one he uh, drove in for the layup, showed the ball, let the defenders sail by, and went in for the easy layup. And the other one kind of stuck in the baseline, uh, ten feet out, to kind of kept his pivot foot down. And the, the defender went wrong side, and he went up again for another easy layup. 11 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. By the way, only one turnover. And let's keep yeah. that in mind. Illinois, again, still undefeated when they have more assists than turnovers. And they'll try to continue that this weekend uh, up in Madison as they take on uh, the Wisconsin Badgers. How about Illinois? Um, you know, 5 and 4 right now. They began 0 and 3. Uh, now they've won now um, 5 of their last 6 uh, after this win, trying to make it 6 out of 7. Uh, and back in the conversation there at the top in a very highly competitive uh, Big Ten uh, Conference. We'll talk more about that overall a bit later on in the show. Uh, also, it's the NFL's Final Four this weekend, Conference Championship time, uh, Bengals, Chiefs, 49ers, Eagles. Who you guys got? Well, I tell you what, the, these are really good games. I, I think they're very competitive games. I think you can go either way. It, it's in Kansas City, but I'm just a, I just got a feeling Joe Burrow is the guy. I mean, am I crazy? Maybe Joe Burr. Yeah. I just feel like they're playing really well. The Bengals defense was great against Josh Allen and the Bills. Um, I, I'm going to pick the upset, pick the Bengals. In the um, NFC, 49ers, Eagles, I, I think the Eagles have a ton of talent around Jalen Hurts, and they've been extremely successful. And I just don't think Brock Purdy's going to be able to make the plays against that Eagles defense. And uh, I, so I like the Eagles. Um, Eagles, Bengals in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I actually – I think it – depends on Pat Mahomes. If he can move around, I think I like the Chiefs, but I love Burrow. Somehow everybody's forgot uh, Joe Montana in the greatest of all time discussion. And Burrow kind of reminds me of a young Montana because mm -hmm. nothing seems to phase him. Um, in terms of the 49ers and Eagles, 49ers got a great uh, defense, but they won't have a Dak Prescott throwing them balls to um, <laughs> bail them out this week. <laughs> So I would say that I've got to go with the Eagles in this. I, so I sense gonna... a disgruntled Cowboy fan behind <laughs> oh, the microphone. It's, you know, it's it. Look, you know, I don't mind. Look, players make mistakes. What bothers me is is you're paying this guy eight to ten million dollars more than you should, so that he can perform at about the twenty eighth or 29th best guy, best quarterback in the league. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> You feel so bad. How about them the, Cowboys? That's right. Yeah. Exactly. So after a while, this could be the year. Nope, it's not going to be. We're going to throw it right to the other team. <laughs> not, to, not with Jerry running the show. It's not. No. Yeah, it is. Oh, my goodness. Uh, once again, another offseason of question marks that won't get answered. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I'll just put it that way. So I I, I like this, too. I, I do like uh, Bengals and Eagles, although I, I think that Patrick Mahomes, his health, high ankle sprains are tough. They're just they're just tough. Mahomes is fantastic. But you're you made a great point about about Joe Montana. We forget Joe Burrow was so good in that national championship season at LSU. And and my question was, well, he has an, the offensive coordinator in Brady that one year. Can he duplicate that later? Well, he does. I mean, he's just 
goes out and just does it. I mean, you know, it is um, the, the Bengals are going to be a team to reckon with for quite a while because they're about to lock him up with a really fat Dak Prescott-like, Patrick Mahomes-like contract, and he'll be there for a while. It wasn't all long ago the Bengals couldn't win, couldn't draw fans, and now they've got all that going on, and uh, there should be a couple of really good games uh, this weekend. We'll talk more uh, about the NFL a bit later on and uh, much more all the way around, more basketball still to come, too. Uh, and don't forget, we're going to ask you, Brad, because that's just what we do. This is the Sports Spectacular, powered by AtlantaGuys.com. At Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868 proud to be the official bank of the fighting illini member fdic do you owe the irs ten thousand dollars or more in back taxes are you being audited or investigated has the irs sent you a letter demanding payment you may not owe what they claim make this free call to the tax doctor now let them negotiate with the irs on your behalf 800-816-4492 That's 800-816-4492. Hey, don't forget, we are just weeks away from March Madness, and that means the third annual Illini Guys Bracket Challenge. $1,000 in cash prizes up for grabs. It's free to enter, but you have to be an Illini Guys member to take part. So go to IlliniGuys.com and register today. First seven days are free. Insider info, so much more, and maybe some cash in your pocket along with your membership. It's all at IlliniGuys.com. Be sure to check that out. This segment presented by Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. There have been only two Illini teams reached the NCAA regional finals in the past 30 years. And our next guest played a key role in one of them. The Prada Peoria big man Marcus Griffin is here with us now. Marcus, Welcome to the Sports Spectacular. And thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm, I feel it's an honor. It definitely is. Well, well, it's it's reciprocated. Believe us, uh, it's great to uh, you know. Good to talk with you. We see you at, at games, different events, and, and you're at the Illini guys the event we had back in August. And we said then we got to have you on the show. And we were talking. We've had so much stuff happening with a ranked football team and ranked women's team that it's been longer than we planned. But we're glad we we having the show right now. Um, you know, so much to talk about. Uh, and recently talking about the the grind of the college basketball season, and we're even still in January. What do you remember about this time of year as a student athlete? Uh, the spring semester has started. Uh, two games a week. You've got practice and travel and and, and homework. What do you recall? What is what is that like for a, a student athlete trying to to excel at, at everything you have on your plate? It is definitely a challenge because you just want to figure you just want to get to sports, but you just can't. You're a student athlete. Let's let's be honest. You definitely have to take care of the academics. And we when I was in school, we had um, Tom. Tom Michaels was part of the academic part of the basketball very good line I great in his time when he was there and so he made sure during this time when we wasn't in school that we were studying we were still getting to our studies and we didn't fall off of that so when we started that second semester academically we were still ready to go and when we was playing it was different big 10 didn't start until after the new year Mm. and now they play big 10 games in december now and so we knew coming out of um start the second semester we was 
all Big Ten games was the rest of the year until you got to the Big Ten tournament. Marcus, you had obviously had a you know a great run um, at Illinois. How do you how do you look? What do you look at this team uh, comparatively teams in the past? What's kind of been the the they've been very very good at times, very and very bad at times to be honest. So yeah. what's kind of your thoughts on the team so far this year? Just this is what happens when you're in the Big Ten and you are a young team. Like as much success as we notice this team can go, they are still a very young ball club and. Not a lot of young ball clubs get a lot of success out of the gate in the Big Ten. So it literally takes 14, 15 conference games for those freshmen to start playing like sophomores, sophomores start playing like juniors, juniors starts playing like seniors. It's just a long process. Like we was talking before, it's just a process. And these guys got to continue to buy in. They're sharing the ball a little bit more. And then eventually you're going to be like, all that struggling was to get us to this point, and now we're ready to go make some noise in the Big Ten tournament and then hopefully make win a couple of games in the NCAA. So, you know, Marcus, everybody can get up for the big games. You know, Michigan State, Indiana. How did you guys get yourselves ready to play when, when you know, a team like Penn State came to town? They obviously upset Illinois this year. How did you get yourself up for the teams that maybe weren't supposed to be uh, highly ranked, yet in the Big Ten you have to watch out for everybody? Um. It's to be honest, it's very our mindset was totally different. Like we would talk to the guys. We was like, we would want the guys on our team who didn't get enough a lot of playing time. We would want them to play. So with us, it was going out at the beginning of the game and giving it our all. Like, I hate to say this, but when teams weren't supposed to be on the floor with us, we showed that they was not supposed to be on the floor with us. Like we had some of our close games here or there. But for the most part, we held it down in the Big Ten and we went out there and we played. So when we had a team that we were supposed to dominate, we went out and dominated. Like when back when we was playing with a Northwestern coming to town, you don't want to give a Northwestern any hope. So you want to jump on their throat at the beginning of the game. Not to disrespect Northwestern or anything, but that's just what our mindset was when we was playing. Well, Northwestern wasn't quite as good back then as they are. Yeah, they're playing a lot better now, for sure. Oh yes, they're a very different ball club now. Yeah. So, so okay, let's. We always got to have this debate, and I, I got to get the the eras team. You know, I mean, we got oh four, oh five. We got eighty eight, eighty nine. We got two thousand, two thousand one. I mean, I mean, you know, who's who's winning, Marcus? So, that's that's. As you recall, in August when we was all there, how heated of a conversation that got with BD and a couple of other guys. All I can say is that we was we was a big team. We was a very big team. We wasn't the most athletic bunch, but our defense and our rebounding could destroy a lot of teams. And the final line, I was very athletic. Don't get me wrong. There was an athletic ball club, but they wasn't big. The 04-05 squad, they shot a lot of threes. They was not big. And in the Big Ten, it's been all about for years, give or take a couple of caveat teams. You throw that ball off the backboard, man, the toughest is going to survive. And I will take our team in that type of – in a Big Ten environment. Now, the 4 team, if we was playing ACC rules, Pac-12 rules, you get to get up and down the court, shoot a bunch of threes or whatnot. Can't touch them. We go to the foul line. They're going to shoot us. We're going to be in foul trouble. But in the Big Ten, I, we will hold our own against a lot of teams in the past. And I will 
I'm always going to pick the old one squad. We were too physical. <laughs> we was too physical. We was too physical. So, so, you know, you, you, you guarded some big guys, probably not anybody as big as Kofi, but how would you have handled going in the lane against the uh, seven foot, 285 pound behemoth? Well, on size wise, Zach Randolph was a big boy and he was a left-hander and I had Zach, I think his freshman year, Mm -hmm. but that defense is not difficult. When you got a guy like Kofi, it's the early contact is the key. If you let Kofi get his body up against you, he is going to destroy you. He is too big. And so since I could get up and down the court, I had to beat him on the other side. I had to get down when I was playing defense first, because if I let him beat me, he gets to establish position first, he's going to destroy me. So I got to get down, even if I can make him post up two feet off the block to give our guards a couple of extra opportunities to dig in the post, that'll make it a little bit. And then just don't let him go over his right shoulder, over his left shoulder, Mm -hmm. because you know he wanted to come back for that jump hook every time off the glass. So I would just be be strong and be tall, make him dribble the ball about four or five times, and then make them shoot over length. That's a great point. Hey, something you brought up that I wanted, as we're talking to Marcus Griffin here, uh, the great from the teams uh, back in the uh, one year for Kruger, one year for with self. self yeah. Correct? Okay, okay. That's what I thought. Okay, well, I want to ask you this. Here's a scary, sobering uh, moment for all of us, and our, and we're older than you, Marcus, but, but the Big Ten has not won the national title since your last year in college basketball. 2000, yeah. right? I mean, 23 years. Is how different is is it really difficult to play in the Big Ten with the way those refs call the game and then yes. step into the NCAA tournament in March where it's called totally different? Yes. So if I hate to say anything about how we lost my senior year yeah. against Arizona, but everybody who's seen us play in everybody who's seen us play in everything, you saw how we never we never had that many fouls called in a game against us ever and my time at Illinois. And so, but again, we have to adjust. Not going to get Big Ten refs. And that was the one thing I felt like we didn't do my senior year because I would still say we was the best team in college basketball that year. When we got to the tournament, like in the Final Four, we beat three of the four teams in the Final Four that year. Only one that we didn't beat was Duke. And they beat us by, I think, 79, 77 in Greensboro yeah. that year. Yeah. But you you definitely, as a Big Ten team, you have to be able to adjust with the officiate. You, you got to do it on the fly. I, I got to ask a follow-up question because I covered three of those games of Arizona's run that year in, in, in 01, right? I, I mean, actually, sorry. So Michigan State was the year before, your junior year. In 01, um, I felt the referees favored – Arizona, because Bobby Olson, the sweet wife of Lute Olson, had died during the season. And I felt the games were called but with for them a certain way until they met Duke in the title game, and then they were called differently, and it went from there. Now, be objective, but did you sense that with all those foul calls? To this day, most foul calls, most fouls whistled on a team ever in an NCAA tournament game, and most free throws. They shot more free throws and field goals in that game. Yeah. You said it, not me. Okay. So um, <laughs> as I go back and watch that game, I just, first, I just look at myself in a mic. I just look at how I played. And so I'm like, referees was calling. They was letting some of those things go during the season, yeah. but you get in the game. 
and then the referees literally burp, burp, get you real. And I'm like, okay. But it's kind of hard because you 18, 19 year old kid and mentally you like referees trying to take you out of a game, but we didn't adjust well. But yeah, those was your words. I, and that, <laughs> I said, it's my, yeah, I said, it's my words. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. I well, I, I'm going to agree. I mean, I, I thought that was one of the, uh, one of those games. I thought, you know, when Illini fans look back, there's that game. And then I think it was D's senior year when they played Washington and everything was a foul and uh, Brandon yes. Roy's team. I think that was the other one that I kind of look back and, and of course the Kentucky game in, in 80, you know, 84, but you know, so Marcus, I, I got to ask you, as you kind of look at where, where are you at now and where you're, you're in Peoria still and uh, talk a little about where you're at, and what you're doing now. Yes, so I'm in Peoria. I'm in Peoria. I work for Frito Lay. Pepsi PepsiCo is the big company, and then I work for the snack side on Frito Lay. I'm a district manager here out of um, the Peoria area. Um, I got I manage a group of guys that go out and we try to to attack the marketplace. Make sure that we got a bunch of Doritos and Cheetos out there for every kid in the world to have. <laughs> It's really for Mike. Let's be honest. Yeah, I'm actually trying to like think here, you know, like what products can we get hooked up with here? Hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, we can talk about some things off the air. <laughs> awesome. Well, I can hey. talk about food off the air or That's on. That's right. It. That's right. Listen, we can't get Mike going. We got a commercial break to get to. But uh, Marcus, man, so good to t- see you again and talk with you on the air. We appreciate you coming on and hopefully uh, you'll join us again soon. Yes, whenever you guys have it. It's good. You should get me and Kendall, maybe D, get some guys on here. You could really hear some battle stories. Oh, we <laughs> we we plan to. We yeah. don't we know it's not the last time we have you on. We're just gonna turn you and D and, and Kitty Battle loose. Yeah. And we'll just walk away and go get some chips and we'll come yep. back when it's all done. <laughs> all right. I was just with Kenny last night. Okay. Okay. Yep, we yeah. was at the gang. He's a, he's our man. Kenny's been on the yep. show before. Marcus, thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Y'all have a good one. All right, I appreciate Marcus Griffin here on this segment presented by Busey Bank, sponsor of Illini Athletics and of this show as well. Stay with us. All the answers to the universe are straight ahead when we ask your Brad. That's next. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. A tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Member FDIC. This is Jeff Alexander, assistant basketball coach for the Fighting Illini. You're listening to the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Illini underscore guys. It's Illini underscore guys on Twitter and also uh, on Instagram. Uh, you know, when you were growing up and you asked your mom, you know, a tough question, uh, Kegs, what would, what would mama tell you? Go ask your dad. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Ask your dad. Well, on the Sports Spectacular, we simply... Ask our Brad about those things that inquiring minds want to know because he has the answers. Our Brad Sturdy, resident insider and expert on Illini basketball, uh, sitting back at his Barker lounger with a cigar he pulled into the studio as we pull up a chair and asking these questions. We, we appreciate Patrick Quinn uh, going on the IlliniGuys.com message boards and scouring uh, the boards and the forums there for all these questions that actual real members of IlliniGuys.com reached out and asked Brad Sturdy. So, all right, Braddy. 
Can I ask you a question? <laughs> Let's roll. All right, all right. <coughs> number one from the IlliniGuys.com message forums. Do referees really impact the Big Ten in basketball and football? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they do. I, I think the Big Ten, you know, when you look at these other conferences play, the the, the games are different, especially in basketball. Um, I feel like the games are different the way they're officiated. And the Big Ten, on the other hand, has less freedom of movement. It's more of a grind. Every game, it seems like it's, you know, 12 to 10 after 15 minutes of game time, you know. Right. So I, I think they do impact it. And, and uh, you know, Mike's going to go on a rant about full-time officials later. But the, we'll, uh, but the reality is I, I think they do. And I think they have to change that because it's created a perception. And, a, and it's, it's also when they get in the NCAA tournament, they're not allowed to do many of those same things that they do during the Big Ten season. And so it causes a problem. In football, I don't notice as much, although I do think that there are calls that tend to go the way of if your name or if you are, um, you know, the Ohio State University or the Michigan uh, Wolverines, you tend to get a few breaks here and there. Yeah, I can't really say anything without going off here. Um, so let's let's go with more of the questions that that people were asking uh, of their Brad. So I, I've got one, um, and I thought this was a good one. What kind of football jersey will the Illini be wearing next year with the Nike? I'm not certain if it's a full rebrand, but what are you expecting uh, out there? Well, I think they're going to be a little different. They're, I know they're going to keep the block eye because they like that on the, in the helmets and things, um, but we're going to see some script. They're using more script, it seems like to me, from what I, we've seen on some of the new, the new stuff that has come out, like the, uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but some of the football coaches have been wearing some new gear on their visits, and basketball coaches have had some new gear that has the script Illinois and script Illini. So I think that might be a new new look for them. I think you may look to see something like that on one of the maybe the one of the football jerseys. Huh. And helmet. Interesting. Uh, let's stick with football here. Uh, Newton and Randolph, the law firm, they're back. Uh, CJ Hart is back. Um, boy, that defense looks a lot better with those three there. Is Illinois a legit contender for the Big Ten West division title this coming fall? They are. They are a contender for the Big Ten West. Obviously, a lot of things have to go their way, and they have to, you know, they're going to have to play well and stay healthy, especially like at the quarterback position. But they have the pieces. I mean, they've added some pieces on the offensive line. They're bringing those guys back. They brought defensive line back, Newton and Randolph. A heart. It's really a legit defense. So their front seven's solid. Maybe don't have the depth, but it's going to allow. And this is big not only for now, but for the future because they're going to let the young guys develop now. But the secondary is the only really question mark in defense. But those guys are very talented. Now it's just a matter of experience. You know, another question that folks have talks about our European newcomers and when are they going to be playing. And how long till you think they are uh, valuable contributors? Well, Nico Moretti just arrived this week. He uh, just came in for the Ohio State game. He is going to spend most of his time working with Fletch and working, you know, he'll still practice with the team. But he, he, I, his plan is to not play this year. Now, I can't tell you that if something happens and we get an injury to one of the guards that you may, may say, hey, you got to play now. But uh, the plan is not to play him this, this year. Zachary Perrin is going to uh, attempt to play a little bit. He's working out. He's gaining some things. He's going to mostly mop up minutes, but they, they want him to be prepared to play because they don't have the same amount of depth, perhaps, in the front court that they have other places. Hmm. 
Very, very interesting. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll add this. Both those guys are going to play next year. Both those guys will be on the court next year playing for Illinois. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, I think at this no. point, everyone's you've already you've, it's taken you this long to figure out um, rotations and you know who plays, who can play with whom, and who doesn't play well with others, and different lineups that don't work for you. Possibly, why try to at this point in the season try to mess with that? Unless you have to. Yeah, I agree. Completely yeah. agree. Let, I agree. With we're that. set. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, another basketball question from the IlliniGuys.com message forum. Uh, and again, thank you to Patrick Quinn for digging these up for us. Uh, what's the difference in the men's basketball team without Sky Clark? And this person was asking, because they said Michigan State coach Tom Izzo, after the Illini beat the Spartans, said he thought the Illini looked better without Clark. I think it's twofold. I think what happens is um, they have a situation where it, it tightens up your rotation. Now guys go into the game knowing they're going to play. And then they have a – they it, when you have something bad happen to one of your teammates, it tends to, like, put everybody together. They kind of mold together and say, all right, we got to kind of rally around, rally the troops, so to speak. And I think that's what happened here. And now they're playing a little bit more fluidly together. It doesn't mean they don't like Sky Clark. It doesn't mean Sky Clark – people have said he's a can't – no, that's not it. it. What it is is you just became a closer-knit group because you went through some trauma, and now you you got to come through on the other side. Yeah, I mean, Larry and I are much closer after having to work with you week after week in this radio show. So, I mean, I totally understand the psychology of that. Um, here's the last question from uh, Illini, uh, Illini Guys subscribers, which you can get at IlliniGuys.com, $99 a year. We've never raised our price ever. Um, Brad, uh, will Devin Witherspoon, will he be a top 10 draft pick? because? His stock is soaring again. I don't think he's going to make the top 10. I do think he's going to be in the first round, and I think he's going to be in the top 20. I think he's going to go in the teens there somewhere. Um, it, but here's the thing you got to remember. It only takes one team to decide that's yeah. the guy I want. And when you watch Witherspoon's film, he is the best cornerback in this draft on film. He doesn't maybe have the size or whatever, maybe not the measurement, whatever you want to say, weight, et cetera. But when you watch him on film, he's the best cornerback in this draft. So it's possible that somebody says, hey, this guy's my lockdown corner. I'm going to put him over there on an island and let's go. What a great question. And again, what a great story. Uh, Devin Witherspoon to go from, I think, not like no stars coming out of high school, right? I mean, he was that lowly rated coming out of high school. To an all-American and and a number and a first-round draft pick and, and possibly a high first-round draft pick. Uh, what a job uh, by him, the hard work and this Illinois staff as well to get him ready uh, for that. Okay, that's ask your Brad. I don't know about you guys listening at home, but I'm I'm more enlightened. Uh, Mike, you good? You feel better? I, Talk- I'm feeling a little better. Yeah, talking to Brad. A yeah, absolutely. I'm glad I could help you, Mike. <laughs> I appreciate a that. smidge. And the the cigar smoke didn't even bother us. Uh, it was great. Um, all right. Well, stay with us. Uh, we Don't forget, still to come in this hour, uh, Big Ten Network's trip. Meacham is going to join us here on the Sports Spectacular. Stay with us. Back here on the Sports Spectacular and this segment presented by OSF Healthcare. We're thankful for their sponsorship uh, of this program. Uh, wherever you are, six states all across the Midwest, uh, you will know this name, uh, former Illini star guard and currently uh, one of the stars as well of the uh, 
the show on Big Ten Network. Uh, you get to hear his talents uh, pregame, postgame, and in between as well. Trent Meacham joining us on the show for the first time. Trent, great to see you. Welcome to the Sports Spectacular. Larry, thanks for having me. This might be the first time I've heard star uh, aligned with my name twice in the same <laughs> sentence. So that's kind of you, and it's great to be on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, listen, we were the, you you were the guy we counted on for three-pointers back in the day when you played for the Illini, and um, as you and I talked in the break, I mean, I'm real critical, uh, and Dion Thomas will tell you this, I'm very critical of uh, TV people because of my own background, um, for better or worse, but you do a great job. So I'm not just saying that to butter you up. I mean, from the very beginning, I'm okay. like, oh, he, he steps right in and, and um, you know, people don't understand all the work that goes into that behind the scenes. Um, you're not just throwing out a thought. I mean, it's a there's a production meeting and there's things that go into that. And you do a great job of, of explaining these things uh, to the audience. Um, well, I want to start with uh, let's just start with let's start there with the Big Ten Network. I mean, how did you go from uh, obviously a, a playing career to, to winding up um, on the st- on the setup there in Chicago? Well, I never thought about getting into broadcasting, sports media at all. Uh, I did have an opportunity alongside, uh, fill in for Deion Thomas alongside Brian Barnhart and, and be on the radio call for a couple of Illinois games. And that was my first taste. I thought, oh, this is this is fun. This allows me, I just retired from playing and it allowed me to stay connected to the game. Obviously, Brian's fantastic to work with. Sure. It's it's great to be, you know, kind of, you feel like you're kind of a part of the action when you're calling a game and my alma mater at Illinois. And so that gave me my first taste of it. And I, but I wasn't trying to get into it full time, but I thought, okay, this is maybe something I can do seasonally to stay connected to the game, to grow as a communicator and uh, just sought out opportunities locally, uh, different radio shows, uh, did a, a weekly segment with uh, WCIA a couple of years ago. That was a great experience for me to get on in front of the camera and then reached out to the Big Ten Network. You know, I had a few contexts. Uh, Jay Lehman's a good friend of mine, another local guy, Illinois former. He he was a star. Jay was a star on the <laughs> football field. And obviously, he's had a long time with uh, with Big Ten Network. I think he's been with them for over 10 years. And uh, so he connected me with a few people, was able to uh, get in touch and get an audition and, and, and do well enough for them to put me out there. And so it's been fun. This is my second year. Uh, it's it's everything's every scenario is a different challenge, whether it's calling a game, which I've done a handful of a halftime segment where it's, you know, 30, 40 seconds, you know, what happened? What do you think? Uh, or it's maybe more drawn out conversations. And it's just, it's, it's fun for me. And it's, there's some challenges for me. I think I'm still learning, but it's great to cover the big 10 conference. You know, I grew up in Champaign and, and following the Illini, of course, but the league overall, it's been a lot of fun for me. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Deion Thomas, and he and I used to go back and forth, uh, you know, via text and and social media DMs in terms of uh, the stuff he was doing. I was in DC and giving him you know credit. It's like anything you see, you know, man, pass it on. I'm like, no, you're doing great. I mean, it's it's difficult when when you're a player or a coach and to explain the technical part of it to in in layman's terms, and and you will do a great job. And and I think Big Ten Network overall does a great job. So uh, and you fit right into that. Let's talk about uh, the, the Illini since let's let's go there in terms of this season. Um, you know, they've got a lot of talent right now. So many things kind of behind the scenes, it seems. Um, it's almost a Jekyll and Hyde. Boy, they the four-game win streak, you're like, okay, it's clicked. This is exactly what we thought this team was going to be this time of year. Uh, and then Indiana. Um, and, and so it seems like right now, um, this is a team that really could be Elite Eight, could be Final Four. Um, or it could be on the bubble. I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's kind of tough to kind of 
figure out just who this team is right now. Yeah, we're all, you know, to some degree, Larry, uh, a bit Jekyll and Hyde-ish, right? I mean, every day is not our best day ever, and and we have some some ups and downs just personally. So then you throw a group of young guys together, especially with so many new faces, and you're going to get that. And I think you're seeing that across the league, across the country in many ways. It's always been the case, and maybe it's a bit more with more new faces. So I, I'm not surprised about that. I think it's easy to look at this team or if you would go and see them practice early in the fall and you think, wow, there there's 10 guys out here that can run, that can jump, that can get up and down. There's a ton of ability. Uh, and that's true. There's a lot of talent on the court, but then you get into games and there's five guys on the court. There's one ball. Uh, teams are scouting you. Uh, this team is trying to figure out his flow. Some teams might have a bit more uh, of, you know, consistency from, from the year prior or a, a culture that's been established in terms of this is how we play. This is totally new for this team. So, yeah, they, they've had some ups and downs. I, and I would expect that to continue. Um, I do think the arrow is pointing in a good direction. Uh, like I said, they're very talented and athletic. They have more, I think, quickness and length than we've had since I can remember. And those are good good qualities to work with. I think the key for them is they got to be great on the defensive end. And they have the pieces to do that. Uh, give the coaching staff a ton of credit for changing how they've played defensively, both on offense and defense. You know, they were switching everything besides Dane Danger, and they totally got away from that just a few weeks ago. And I think that's been a good thing. Uh, now, I will say, I, I thought they maybe could have had an adjustment against Indiana and, and not throwing something different at Trace Jackson Davis. But the the moves that Brad Underwood has made, you know, on a higher level with their offense, getting some more structure in the half court defensively, uh, going to, with a more traditional man-to-man defense, sticking with your man, I think has been really good for this ball club. And it's going to be a fun, you know, final stretch to the season. I would agree with that. And you, again, you put it in a, a perfect way to explain to everyone watching in terms of just what's going on with this team and great point that it's going on elsewhere. Um, you're right in the Indiana game. I think it was a 63% is what they shot. I mean, every shot was at the basket. It felt like uncontested, though not all of them. Um, they did have some, you know, it seemed again, every shot went in. Um, they didn't just miss some. Um, and that was a season high for the Illinois defense. As a result, it comes up in a loss. The other thing too, and it's a simple thing, Illinois is undefeated um, this year when they have more assists than turnovers, um, which is a simple stat, right? You should be. Um, but again, that's one of those where, again, that's big. Uh, I think they're, I don't know, four and six, five and six when they don't. But you're exactly right. You bring up another good point, though. It's not just in the Big Ten. It is across the country. And I think that, you know, every year we try to say, oh, there, there are, there's only one or two you know, dominant teams. Even right now, we saw Kansas getting blown out last weekend. Uh, Purdue losing at home, almost losing again at home uh, over last weekend. Um, there truly are 20, 25 teams that have a shot at this. I mean, I, you know, this is one where we could have, you know, no top three seeded teams in the final four. I mean, I think once you get in, it clearly is just whoever is having a good day on that day. Um, any Anybody, I mean, there are eight teams in the, in the Big Ten that, that have the goods to reach the final four. I would agree. Uh, you you got to have the talent, I think, to make that run. Uh, but but you look across this league, I think it's wide open. Purdue's clearly the best team right now, but they could have easily had a few more losses, and I think they're going to have some more losses. I love their backcourt, but they're they're still young, and I, I think teams can pressure them and maybe give them some problems. Uh, and looking across the the country whether it was North Carolina preseason number one, I'm not even sure if they're ranked anymore. Uh, I'm not sure where they're at. Gonzaga has, has fallen. 
So there's, I think it's wide open and that should give a lot of teams, you know, some hope if, if you're trending in the right direction, if you have some momentum, if you're making shots, I mean, you can beat anybody on any given night. And for the Illini fans and this, this Illini team, they have the talent to, to make shots, to make plays. Again, I think if they can be elite on the defensive end, uh, get out in transition, get some easy baskets, um, you know, they get hot at the right time. There's no doubt they can make a run. Now that's a lot easier said than done. There's going to be a couple teams that do it, Larry. I think there's going to be a couple teams that surprise you that just get hot at the right moment. They come together, the chemistry aligns and, uh, It'd be great if that was the Alana, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we saw it last year with North Carolina that they were an eight seed and, and, you know, they knock out Baylor on the way to the final four on the way to the title game um, to your point. And I think there are a lot of teams and I think Illinois is one of those teams. There's no question the length and, and the defense that they do play night in night out. Um, they are one of those teams that would be, I don't care if they're seated second or seated ninth. It doesn't matter. They're going to be a very tough team to play. Um in March, as we're talking to Trent Meacham here uh, with the Big Ten Network, a former Fighting Illini uh, shooting guard. Um, Trent, also, you know, something else that, that we talked about, you mentioned North Carolina. That's something, too, in terms of the media um, that and I, you know, boy, I have said this all along that the media, we in the media, we sometimes do teams a disservice because it feels like the national guys, they're going to pencil in Kansas and North Carolina and Duke and Kentucky, regardless who's on the team. And like with the Kentucky team, I was saying, this is not a top five preseason team. And I feel bad for the kids because there's never a win. I mean, if you don't win, it's what's wrong with you. Well, they were never a top five team. Let them develop. Uh, Duke has a first time coach who learned from a coach um, who never really, he didn't produce, you know, produce very good coaches, but not great coaches. And yet he's a top five coach. So part of it too, I think is the media. And if I'm a team right now, I'm saying, do your thing, forget the rankings, do your thing because they really don't matter in the end yeah that's some good points i think it's also interesting as we're talking i'm just thinking about this we talk about the national rankings of these college teams but i think about recruiting and recruiting has looked so different the past few years because of you know certain states they weren't playing any high school basketball mm -hmm. i know for example brayden smith grew up close to west lafayette well matt painter couldn't see him play in person for a long time and, you know, he was not highly regarded at all. I mean, Purdue's whole roster pretty much was not highly regarded. And here they are at the top of the standings. Uh, that's remarkable. But I think it's probably been – there's always been outliers. There's always been people that the recruiters miss and kids develop at different rates. But maybe more than ever, you mentioned Kentucky, uh, Duke, some teams that had some highly regarded freshmen that might not have panned out or at least performing up to those expectations early in their freshman campaigns – but maybe it's been even more skewed just because of uh, the shutdowns of COVID and how that's affected high school and AAU basketball the last few years where uh, teams didn't get the same look at them. And, and it's really it's it's a crapshoot more than ever. Mm -hmm. And give credit to the teams that have identified talent that maybe others didn't and then to develop that talent. And that's why, I mean, Purdue, I, I look at Matt Painter and the development of Zach Eady, how he's formed this roster, the confidence he's given Braden Smith and Foster Lawyer, uh, excuse me, Fletcher Lawyer. Uh, it's been really impressive. And or teams that have just kind of hodgepodge it in different ways. Kansas State, you know, Jerome Tang, what he's done there has been incredible uh, and, and has brought together some different transfers and recruited. And so it's it's a really intriguing season. And I think I don't think college basketball is changing. I, I think it's it's every year is going to be a bit different. And when you have so many new faces on these teams, chemistry is such a big a big thing and how do the those talent how do the talents fit together how do the egos 
you know, uh, get in line. And uh, I think this year might be extreme, but I don't, I don't think that's changing, which it does make it exciting. I totally agree. And you bring up something in terms of, of transfers. You know, we've seen the last several years where you have to get old, right? I mean, you've got veteran teams and the, the star freshmen um, are not the team, the players who lead you to a championship. It's the, it's the star sophomores <laughs> who have been here for a year or two. Um, you know, we saw Kansas with, with a team that did not have the, the bevy of five-star that they, they had back in 08, you know, when, when they won in San Antonio over Memphis in overtime, um, it's a different, it is a different game in that regards, but, but talk to me about from, from a perspective of someone who still follows the game very much in the game and you played the college game, not too, not too long ago, what kind of difference the, the transfer portal makes where you've got teams that are overhauling sometimes half their roster um, every summer, what does that do in terms of continuity and, and to your point, knowing and trusting guys and, and where it's different than it might've been when you played where you had the same core of guys for the next two or three years for the most part. Yeah. Larry, you said half the roster. I mean, that's sometimes it can be, I don't know what Illinois replaced in scoring. It's like 85% or something. Right. I mean, it's a brand new team. So uh, new faces, it just, it, it makes developing that chemistry more difficult and coaches, you don't really know who you're, you know, who these guys are until you've really been in battles with them. And I think some of these recruiting scenarios that with the transfers happen so quick, they put their name in the portal and coaches don't even always have time to do their due diligence because you got to get in there right away. You need to come in strong with an offer at times and you don't quite know what you're getting. So I, I think it just puts a ton of pressure on these coaching staffs to not only get feet, pieces that fit on the court based on their, their skills, but when you think of the personality of the players, the egos of the players, their character, uh, do they fit your culture? And I think it's just a really challenging environment for coaches to do that. And it, it makes it it makes it really intriguing and makes it challenging for teams to come together. And uh, and like I said, I think this, this Illinois team has decent chemistry, but it, it's a group that you just you, you line up playing pickup ball and you say, wow, these guys are you know, they're world beaters, you know, they can look like at times because of the athleticism and the, the talent on the floor, but you, you whittle that down. There's only five guys that play together. And then do those pieces fit? And, uh, you know, this team's taken some, 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 some bumps here and there, but I, I do think they're finding a groove and there's more time to find that. You just got it. You got to gel much quicker than you ever ha had to before. Yeah. And coming up in the stretch run six weeks until tournament time, there is some time, uh, six, seven weeks here to do that. Um, what do you think is going to be the, the biggest change for the next three to five years. I mean, obviously expansion still, we, I, I still, I think you would agree that that's not done done for now, but I think we, we get to the turn of the decade. We're going to see uh, the conferences look totally different, but in terms of transfer portal NIL, um, where do you, none of us really truly know, but where do you think this may be heading in the next three to five to six years? No, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I think that the two biggest things as much as the transfer portal is shaking up things, I think conference uh, realignment expansion, that's, that's a real thing that I think will happen to some level. Um, and I think the NIL stuff is, are these student athletes, will they become employees at some point? Um, I, I think those are some real, uh, some real questions surrounding uh, college athletics. Uh, you know, there's some real benefits to some of this stuff too. I think you have some guys that will return some ladies that will return that, can earn more money that never would have stayed in college. And maybe you have some more consistency because of that. Some of the talent, especially if they're not your prototypical NBA players. And we've seen that on the men's side with some of the big men that probably would have left uh, a decade ago, but they're not, 
they might not be NBA players, but they're able to be terrific college players can earn a, can earn a lot of money. And so you might see that, but I, I would say, what is the status of the athletes? Are they student athletes? Are they employees as well? Now, if there are some more contractual, you know, uh, language in, in what's happening, that could allow for some more consistency. Maybe you're not able to receive some of the funds if you don't stay for two years or if there's not certain obligations met. I don't know. I'm not involved in these conversations. I'm just kind of thinking what could be. And I think with anything, there's going to be some real positives I could see, but there's also a drawback to to any of that. And it's just going to look very different. And the athletic departments, the coaches that um, look ahead and anticipate and take advantage of whatever changes there that happen, I think are going to find themselves in good positions. And those that kind of wish it would go back to what it was. I mean, it's, 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 that's not happening, you know, right. <laughs> um, the horse is out of the stable. I mean, it's, it's moving forward. And I think the ones that um, have some vision, have some leadership and, and embrace that will, will do well. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree. Um, I've got about a minute and uh, I do want to ask you one uh, question that, that you probably didn't expect to see coming. Uh, I know be, beware, but this is an easy one. Um, I mean, your time at big 10 network, you, like you said, you're in your second year in there, second, second year there. What, um, what's the one thing about that experience that may have surprised you? Um, you know, I, you know, that's one that I, I always like to talk with people who, as you said, at the very beginning of this, you hadn't planned on getting into communication and broadcast. And so you've kind of, um, uh, you know, slipped into it, if you will. What's kind of the one thing about that experience that that uh, you didn't expect? That's a great question. Um, one thing I'd say is is things go wrong from the standpoint of you're you're supposed to have a video come through that you're supposed to talk over and it doesn't show up. Right. There's audio issues. You can't hear the producer that's in your ear. Uh, just things come up more often than I realized. And because I think if you're watching at home, especially if the people are professionals, they are able to to work through it pretty seamlessly and keep their cool. And and not that these are like, you know, awful situations, but um, there can feel like there's some pressure, some stress when, hey, this is live and there's people tuned in and this isn't what we kind of laid out to happen. So I, I would say that would be something that's been a little bit surprising, like, oh, you got to be ready because uh, things might not, it, the interview might not come on. So then they're putting you back on, on, on camera and you got to talk the next five minutes about what just happened. Or you know, there's three games going on at once. And like, how much are you able to really watch the three games and, and see everything? And so uh, finding a way to kind of make it work, even when um, it's not the ideal situation to, you know, to, to watch a game and then talk about it, or just you're, you're going and, and something comes up and makes you adapt. And that's why I called you a star at the beginning because you make it look so smooth. I know what you go through. And so that's why, again, you have my great respect. Hey, Trent, we appreciate your time. Uh, good luck with everything uh, with BTN, obviously all the stuff you're doing. And we hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me on, Larry. All the best. All right. Thank you. Trent Meacham, once again, former Fighting Illini guard, as you know. Uh, and also, again, you can catch him uh, uh, all during the, the week, uh, different times on Big Ten Network as well. This segment presented by OSF Healthcare. Glad you're with us. This is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com, all along the Illini Guys radio network. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. 
At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible, whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is. We're here to support it because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys radio network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley. You know, we're just two weeks away from the big game, Super Bowl 57 from Suburban Phoenix. A couple of great matchups this weekend. And, you know, if you have anything to do with building an NFL team, know this. The 49ers at the Eagles in the NFC title game. And some trivia I looked up this week. Two teams guided by quarterbacks not taken in the first round. That you already knew. But did you know the last two teams to reach the Super Bowl Without a QB picked in the first round, the 49ers in 2020 with Garoppolo and the Eagles in 2018 with Nick Foles. How about that? These guys, know, these guys know what they're doing. <laughs> That's interesting. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like both these guys. I mean, I really like I like Jalen Hurts. I think he's a really good yeah. player. Um, Brock Purdy's played, you know, probably better. But, you know, I think Jalen Hurts is a really good player, and he knows that he has weapons and he uses them. And and I think the 49ers, when they added McCaffrey, I think they've added that piece, you know, with Kittles and McCaffrey. And they've got a good – they've got people around Purdy that make him better. And I think that's one of those keys. These guys are also on – the one thing I'll say is these guys are on rookie contracts. So you can spend more money around them. And it seems like that's maybe the way to have the best team right now. Get a young guy, get him on his rookie contract, you know, like Cincinnati right now with Joe Burrow, for example. And I think that can be um, – I don't know. That's interesting. Well, and and look, here's the thing that's amazing is when you look at you look at like for instance, Cowboys been 27 years since they went to a, a Super Bowl. The is Eagles, that all? Really? yeah, I know. Oh. The Eagles have went to a Super Bowl with one quarterback, torn it all down, got a new coach, and rebuilt it, and now they're one game away from a Super Bowl. Um, the the 49ers have you know, went from the Harbaugh era appearing in the Super Bowl. Now they're one game away, rebuilt the team whole. But what's really scary to me about this Eagles team is they have a boatload of picks coming up in the 2023 draft. And and they are going to put themselves in a position where, as Brad talked about, they'll have a bunch of players on a first-year contract, you know, first contract, very inexpensive, and they'll be – very good players. And not only that, for the Eagles, they tore it all down, thought they're going to rebuild with a guy named Carson Wentz, who is injured all the time. Hertz comes in as a, a third rounder. Look at what he's done. Um, look, this guy was a great quarterback at Alabama, also at Oklahoma. I mean, he was in the Heisman uh, hunt under Lincoln Riley there, and look at what he's done here um, in the NFL. You're exactly right. I mean, I think when you, you know, they've torn this team down and, and build it back up again and look at how quickly this has happened. And like you said, they've got some money to spend. Um, the 49ers, meanwhile, keep in mind that what a job Shanahan has done. I mean, you know, he goes to a Super Bowl three years ago with Jimmy Garoppolo. They decide he's not the future. They draft Trey Lance, who comes in. They bench Garoppolo. They can't trade him. He redoes his contract. Good thing for that because Lance gets injured early. Second stringer Garoppolo comes in. He's winning. He gets injured. The third stringer, and don't believe the media guys, there was no great plan for Brock Purdy down the line. He was going to be, no, he was a seventh round pick. He was a guy to hit, you know, hold the clipboard and maybe just be a, you know, a, a you know, a practice team. Uh, he's got a scout team quarterback. You know, the guy, 
There was no big plan for Brock Purdy. Don't believe the media hype. That was not the case. Trey Lance is the guy of the future. Purdy comes in, and that's my question for you guys. When this is all said and done, regardless of what happens Sunday or if they move on and win the whole thing, you've got three really good quarterbacks now. If you're the 49ers, what do you do? Well, you trade one because then you can get more good players at a different position. You know, it's not – I think having two is good, but getting a third one just oh. – three is too many. Yeah. Yeah, you have to trade them. Yeah. Yeah, this is the one time that David Lee Roth's quote, if two's good, four's better, doesn't necessarily play well. Um, I would say that you've got an opportunity here to load up. And, and you look at this from a salary cap standpoint, you know, you, I, if I was the, the 49ers leadership, you got to figure out which guy you want to trade the guy who's got the most money, you know, and, and then you have an opportunity to get a draft choice or, or get somebody and, and really play into your cap. It's, it's a, it's a scary thing when you, when you understand how to use the cap, let's say, as opposed to other teams that are based in Dallas, Texas. So my question, I want to move on to the AFC, but very quickly, if Brock Purdy wins Sunday and then wins in two weeks in Phoenix, do you trade a quarterback who just led you to a Super Bowl? <laughs> Probably not, but I, you never know. And I, I don't know, you know, it, 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 you know, like I said, everybody, you know, everybody's up for up for sale in the NFL, but, yeah. The advantage he has is the contract that he's on right now. Yep. Do you want to give that up when you can have a quarterback making, you know, one thirty-eighth of what a Dak Prescott does and you can put the rest of the team around him? Holy cow, that's a great opportunity. Yeah, 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 good point. Okay, uh, AFC, rematch of last year when the Bengals knocked off the Chiefs in Kansas City to advance to the Super Bowl. Uh, Cincinnati quarterback Joe Burrow, I believe I saw somewhere 3-0 and as an underdog in the playoffs. I mean, this guy is just ice water in his veins. Joe Cool, man. He is uh, he's special. You know, he's just got the right demeanor. And, you know, eventually even the greats have a bad day, though. You know, maybe is this going to be his bad day? I don't know. I don't think I don't see it. Because I think he'll be able to put, they'll be able to put some points on the board against the Chiefs. And, you know, like we say, Mahomes, how healthy is Patrick Mahomes? If Patrick Mahomes is healthy, this could be one of those great shootouts that we've been waiting to see. But if he's not healthy and he can't move around as much, it's going to be tougher for the Chiefs. Yeah, it, it is going to be. Uh, what a weekend, though. Um, I, I really look forward to that, that game, the Chiefs. Um, uh, up against the Bengals. And what I like about it is neither of these teams do I have any annoyances with from being a fan over the years. So it's, I don't care who wins. I just want to watch good football. Whereas the 49ers and the Eagles have both angered me over the, over the decades. And I don't know if I'm going to be happy no matter who wins. <laughs> <laughs> well, put your cowboy PJs back in the closet and you know I, for another year. That's right. Wear wear something else as you're watching the games uh, on Sunday. It's it's exciting. I agree with you guys. Two great storylines. And I think really nobody does storylines better than the NFL. Um and I don't and I'm you guys know I'm a huge college basketball guy, but this was really exciting. It's been a really good playoff month of of really good football great storylines uh great competition on the field um it's been exciting i think this weekend the same thing and who would have thunk i mean Bengals and chiefs as the powers of the afc i mean wait a minute really i mean <laughs> so what bizarre world is this um but that's where we are right now so yeah Bengals and chiefs and and again niners and eagles and they will uh Winners get together and meet in Arizona in a couple of weeks uh, in just a spectacular stadium uh, out there. That, by the way, in case you guys don't know, I mean, you guys know, but people listening may not realize 
It's a dome with real grass. If you see the aerial shots, there's actually, it's on a big tray and they have like a little, you know, button, remote control button. They actually, they, it's on wheels and it, they wheel it out to grow it during the week and then back in again. So kind of a cool thing. Uh, all right. That's the football story. Stay with us. More to come after this. It's just like my yard, Larry. That's how I do my yard. <laughs> what do you wheel it into the basement? I wheel it into the basement so I can have live grass. <laughs> Glad you're with us here as we, boy, it's scary that we are almost into February. It means we are one step closer to the NCAA tournament. Uh, we are lucky to have one of the best uh, play-by-play men back on the show with this Brandon Godden, who does so much work for Big Ten Network and, and Fox Sports, and he is back now to give us his perspective. Brandon, good to see you. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Larry, good to be back with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, let's just dive right in. This Big Ten, obviously, Purdue is Purdue, um, you know, Minnesota struggles a bit, though they've, they're, they're getting better, getting more competitive. Um, Nebraska scared some people, but really, you take two through 12, and really, it's, I mean, it is, it's, um, we, we could have, you know, a couple of du- double digit seeds in the semifinals yeah. this year in the Big Ten tournament, the way this is going. Yeah, I thought beginning of the conference season that five games, five losses might win the conference. And I still think that's possible, but with how well Purdue is playing, I don't know that they get to five losses. But for everybody else, I'd be shocked if they had fewer five or fewer. I mean, it's just the way that the cannibalization, if you will, of the league is going right now. I do think Purdue, as you alluded to, is the best team, right? They're number one in the country. They clearly have had the best success in conference play. I still think just because of the nature of this league and how tough it is that they probably are going to stub their toe a couple more times. Or let me say this, if they don't, if they would somehow run the table the rest of the way, that would be one of the most amazing stories because this is just such a gauntlet that you've got to go through. And those road atmospheres, as you know, Larry, are so darn tough. Um, But, but what Purdue is doing is incredible, but yes, I mean, the rest of the pack, Minus Minnesota, who certainly is at the bottom. Uh, it's just like roll the dice. I mean, in, on any given night, roll the dice and good luck figuring out who's going to win. And you mentioned a great word of cannibalization in in the Big Ten. Think about this. This week in the in the AP poll and the co- coaches poll as well, Purdue's number one as the only Big Ten team that's ranked. But during the year, there have been 10 different Big Ten teams that have been right. That shows you um, the the parody of this league and how you're right. They're just, you know, eating each other up. And I think by the time they get to March, they'll be happy to go play somebody else other than one of their Big Ten opponents. Yeah, but that's a good point, Larry. We talked about that last night on the broadcast about all the teams that have been ranked, but right now just Purdue number one. I think that might be the case kind of going into the Big Ten tournament just because, again, you might have teams sneak in from 15 to 25, but then the next night they go and they lose somewhere. And so it's it's to see that's where that top 25 it's great right we need it. it it creates conversation and talking points but it can also be very deceiving because the big 10 if you if you would have a top 50 you know the big 10 would probably have eight more teams from 25 to 50 um so it, it is a little bit deceiving but it is strange how the rankings work are, are working out so far this year for the conference yeah and and part of that again is because like you said there's so many teams right there with three losses four losses you know even even five losses 
Um, we looked at a team like Indiana was was one and four, and and then you know going into uh, after the weekend had won three straight. Um, you know Illinois and Iowa, I think both were zero and three starts, and then won four straight. I mean it is, and then they lose. So I mean it, it, it's it's Rutgers finally cracks in at number twenty three, and then they lose in the game you did last Friday night at, at Michigan State. So um, it's crazy. We'll take away Purdue because it, that's a kind of a separate conversation. What is there another team? that has surprised you with their play? Uh, and I know it's a tough question because again, yeah. um, they're all, they're all playing so well. Well, here's what I would say. I would say the way that Indiana got off to a rocky start was probably the most surprising thing to me. Now they're starting to write the ship. Keep in mind, a lot of people have overlooked the fact that they're still missing two very key pieces. I race Thompson and Xavier Johnson. A lot of people talk about Xavier Johnson because he's a senior point guard but they have another guard that's so good in Jalen hood Shafino that I actually think Race Thompson is the more important missing piece to that Indiana puck. They're both important. But when they get Race Thompson back, if they can continue on the uptick that they're on, I say, I just said this last night, sleep on Indiana at your own peril. Because remember, this was the team coming into the season that everybody thought was a national title contender. It wasn't Purdue. Now, Purdue clearly is. And Purdue, everyone was not right on Purdue at the beginning of the season. Purdue is darn good. But I think Indiana, when it's all said and done, when we get down to the Big Ten tournament, we could be looking at that Hoosier team the way that we did early on and not here in the middle part of the season where everybody has forgotten about them. Now, they still need to shore some things up, for sure, on the defensive end and on the offensive end, too. Um, but I, I think when healthy, when those two guys are back, this Indiana team is as dangerous as anybody in the country. I really believe that. You know, I think you're right. When you look at uh, – and I think the play needs uh, – the two games over the weekend um, of Trace Jackson Davis, who's this week's Big Ten Player of the Week, and rightly so, averaging 33 points a game – and those wins over Illinois and Michigan State. The Illinois win was was one thing that um, you know, the, you know, as Mike Woodson and Jackson Davis both said, you know, the double team never came, so we kept doing the same thing and it kept working. And he scores a his Big Ten career high thirty five points. Um, <laughs> but he followed that up with the game against the Spartans that I thought was even more impressive because Tom Izzo had that tape to work with to scout, and yet he still goes for thirty and thirty one fifteen and five blocks. Um, yeah, he's just, and I think that. Part of this for him, I, I've been a critic of Trey Jackson Davis. I felt he, I'm waiting for him to hit his potential. Um, we may be seeing that, I think, finally in terms of a player who's worthy of Big Ten Player of the Year and All-American uh, consideration, um, and it's and it's just getting old. You know, you don't have seniors very often who stick around with his skill set, um, and yet we're seeing that now with uh, Trey Jackson Davis. Yeah, I agree. I think so. I kind of have a theory, Larry, that with big men – and college basketball now, because at the next level, they're becoming extinct. But teams, especially in the Big Ten, seem to always have them. That there are sometimes when you have a Trace Jackson Davis or Zach Eady can become such a pressure of, oh, we got it. We got to get the ball inside. We got to get the ball inside that for Indiana at times when I saw them last year and early on this year, there's such a focus on that that it becomes watching Trace Jackson Davis operate. Mm -hmm. And I think the magic elixir is when, yes, Trace Jackson Davis is getting the ball and able to score, but when they're able to run the offense through him and the other four guys are still moving and that ball is popping and they're hitting open shots. Now, that's easier said than done, but I just, I just think when the Indiana was hitting their struggles last year and this year – it was almost like, okay, let's see what Trace can do. Oh, we haven't thrown ball, Trace the ball in the last three possessions. we got to get it inside. 
and and it kind of becomes this trace or nothing thing. And I don't think that formula works, not because Trace isn't a great player. I just don't think that that system works when you're playing in a conference like the Big Ten. Um, but the last couple of games with him scoring and opening things up for everybody else and the ball moving better, again, I think that's Indiana's recipe for success, and we'll see if they can continue to duplicate that. Yeah. A couple of the teams that um, – there were three teams ranked preseason. Indiana was the first. I believe they began at 14 and stayed around there for a little bit before they fell out. Uh, the other two teams were in the 20s, Michigan at 22 and Illinois at 23. And both teams have um, had their wins, uh, especially Illinois, the big win um, uh, over UCLA out in Las Vegas in November, um, beat Texas in New York um, in early December, went into a funk, uh, came back, and then a couple of big wins against a ranked Wisconsin team in Michigan State. Um You've got Michigan, though, that fell to Central Michigan. Um, They're without their point guard, Llewellyn. That's a big thing. But what's up with these two teams that we thought would be contenders um, for the Big Ten title? Michigan's still up there uh, in the upper echelon right now. They've managed to get some wins. Um, But both teams have kind of struggled to find consistency. Yeah. So for Michigan, I point to Hunter Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson at times this year has not looked like the Hunter Dickinson of last year. And I don't know what it is, uh, but sometimes I just have not seen that fire in his eyes that we grew accustomed to. He's a very confident young man. He, he, he has said so. He has his own podcast where he's very vocal, and he's a darn good player. He can back up his words with his play. At times this year, he just hasn't looked the same. And you know, we talked about Trace Jackson Davis and the Indiana offense funneling through him. That offense needs to funnel through Hunter Dickinson, and he's a really good passer out of the post. So when he gets it, he should be able to distribute. And it just hasn't been the same at times this year. The one game that I saw that I did for them where I thought that's the old Hunter Dickinson was when they hosted Maryland and won by 35. Now, he always has a chip on his shoulder for that game because he's from the D.C. area, and I know that that game's personal to him. He didn't like how Maryland kind of looked him over a little bit. Um, but but if, if they can get him – going more consistently, that's still a very dangerous Michigan team. I, I don't know that it's a it's a top 10 Michigan team or maybe even a top 20 Michigan team, but is it a team that can get in the tournament and win a game or two? Absolutely. I don't think there's any question about that. Remember, they did it last year as an 11 seed when they barely limped in because they've got the talent. And Jet Howard is such a good scorer, uh, and he's only going to get better. I mean, heck, he's, he's 20 games into his college career, and he, he probably will only get 35 at college before he <laughs> goes to the next level, but but we'll see how he goes here. Uh, for Illinois, what I would say quickly, and I know you cover them ad nauseum, Larry, I think Matthew Meyer has more in the tank. We've seen it in glimpses. I think that kid is so talented. Um, you know, you look at him and you're like, this kid play basketball and then you see him move on the court and it's just effortless. It, it reminds me a little bit of a Butler a player, Gordon Hayward back in the day, yeah. uh, the way that he moves and the way that he kind of glides. I just, I think if, if he can be better on a consistent basis, again, we've seen it in doses. He's had some great games. Uh, I was there for the game against Michigan state when I was like, yes, that's the Matthew Meyer that I saw a little bit at Baylor. Uh, so he is the one and then Coleman Hawkins, Hawkins, to me, is frustrating to watch. And I say that not as a knock on him, but because I know there's more in the tank. Uh, You you remember the triple-double earlier this year, and there are times where Coleman Hawkins will do something like, holy cow, like that's that's an NBA move. That's an NBA play. And then he'll have these lapses of four or five possessions, and then Brad takes him out of the game, and it's frustrating. Uh, So, again, 
Consistency. Those two guys, if they are more consistent, this Illinois team is very, very good. And I know the fan base has been frustrated with some of the peaks and valleys, and I get that. Um, but I'm not I'm not giving up on on the Illini yet this year. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I, you're right. And I think when you look at the Indiana loss, how lopsided it was uh, after the game, Brad Underwood saying that that Meyer was was sick with the flu and went over four. And that's the reason why he didn't play well. But you're exactly right. Uh, talking here with Brandon Godden uh, of Fox Sports uh, and also Big Ten Network. Got a couple of minutes left with him. I uh, want to get your perspective nationally. We just saw Kansas suffer three losses in a row, uh, arguably a one seed. If you if you put the field together right now, they lose three in a row to the team that won the national championship before them, Baylor, who has also lost three in a row uh, this year in Big 12 play. I mean, that's how nuts this is. Uh, Houston, a 20 point favorite, and they lose uh, to Temple. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it is, it's maddening for fans. But I think this is fantastic because we're going to go into, um, for the first time that I can remember, and you can actually, we're going to go into the tournament and there will be some teams that are four seeds and five seeds that will have a legitimate shot at getting to the final four. I mean, not just to, well, they could if this and then that. No, they really could make it happen because they're athletic or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think uh, we kind of hit on it earlier, but overreactions happen in stages. There's the early season overreactions, and then there's the midseason people jumping off the bandwagon of the people that they were excited about early on. And then all of a sudden those teams write the ship and then people try to get back on that. Oh, I told you, remember I said it back in October. <laughs> um, and UConn is another one of those teams. Uh, I, I've had a couple of UConn games and then all of a sudden that they were so good, they were undefeated and then they lose four of six, I think. And everybody's like, ah, oh, well, throw in the towel on UConn. And look, I don't know. They may fully spiral out of control and finish in the middle of the pack in the conference. I don't think that will happen. But if they are in the NCAA tournament, I'm just telling you, UConn's healthy. They've got as many horses as anybody, and they can make a run and win a national championship. So they're another example. Uh, Alabama, I, I just saw them for the first time because I don't get to watch a ton of SEC ball. I saw them for the first time last week. They've got dudes. I mean, they've just got yeah, yeah. they've just got guys that could play and score at all levels. And and you know, you think of Alabama, you don't think basketball, you think football. But this is becoming a really good basketball program, and they could win it all. Um, and and it, let's just have a moment for Kelvin Sampson and what he's done at Houston. Yeah. I know that people struggle to to buy into him because of his NCAA issues in the past, his time at Indiana, all that. Okay, I get all that. Um, but man, what he's been able to do at Houston, uh, in, in a conference, that's not a power conference, a conference that by everybody else's measure has, has gone down over the years, but he has turned them into a national contender now for several seasons in a row. And, and even though the loss that they just had, that was surprising again, another team that certainly can, can go to Houston and cut down the nets in their hometown. Uh, that's a storyline. So, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of teams nationally that, that can get it done, but, but parodies, we always see, I say, Larry seems to reign supreme. And I think we're seeing that here in the middle part of the season. It's a lot of fun. And you're right. What Houston has done. I think it's, it's easy to forget because we have short term memories, but what they've done the past couple of, not just this year, yeah. this is a byproduct of what he's built yep. over the past several years and, yep. and getting into the second weekend, the past couple of years at a final four, which as you yep. know, at a non-power five conference is, is uh, tough to do even in basketball. Hey, I, I want to make sure I get this in because you and I get a chance to talk at a semi-regular basis. Uh, you know, I always enjoy our conversations when we, uh, we bump into each other. Tell people about your schedule. I know last week you had like 
a game a night. I mean, what is it like? <laughs> how many games do you do in a season and and how do you keep up with it all? And how do you prepare for each game? Because you always are on point every time you go on camera. Well, I appreciate that. At least you and my mother agree. They may be the only two. <laughs> um, I for basketball, it very it's gonna be about 45 games this year, and then I'll do the NCAA tournament for Westwood One on radio. Um, but yeah, it it's it's what's a little tougher about the schedule, and I say tough in a good way because I'll do as many games as they want to assign me. But Big Ten Network and Fox are partners, but they have two different people that schedule the games. Wow. And so they send me the schedules that they would like for me to do. And it's like a jigsaw puzzle trying to put it together. And then once I step back and look at it, I was like, oh, I'm only going to be home for two days in January, <laughs> one of which is today. Um, but look, I and I and I mean this, I grew up in Indiana. I was surrounded by basketball from when I was a little kid. So this time, of year, I love all sports, but this time of year, I'm like a kid in a candy store. Uh, so yes, it is a lot of travel. I'm based in Atlanta, uh, but that, that airport and Delta Airlines is my best friend. And I just bounce around where they send me. I keep extra ties and an extra sport coat on hand just in case they need to send me somewhere else, which happens from time to time. So it is busy, uh, but it's a lot of fun. And I think I've now done it. This is my sixth year doing television. I think I've done it to the point where I've got a system down that I can prep for a game on pretty short notice and get ready to roll. That's exciting. Well, and and you say that this is the one of the days we are thankful that you spent a few minutes of your off day with us because we know you've got a lot of prep for the games that are coming up. Hey, Brandon, continue success uh, to you, and uh, we will try not to bother you later on, but we may call you again on, <laughs> from an airport. Just call in and get your thoughts at some point. <laughs> Good to chat, Larry. I'm sure I'll, I'll see you at a game here soon. Absolutely. Okay, Brandon, thanks so much. Safe travels, my friend. Thank Take you. Care. Uh, Brandon Godden, once again, of uh, Big Ten Network and Fox Sports. Great to have him. And and again, uh, when you've got a listening to a game and you hear somebody uh, very smooth doing his thing as a play-by-play guy, it's uh, probably Brandon. Stay with us. We've got much more to come after this. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. At Busey Bank, we understand you have a vision for your future, and we're committed to helping you achieve your dreams. Since 1868, we've invested in recruiting and retaining the best and brightest associates. Busey's unique culture is one that values and supports you, provides opportunities for growth, and is much more than a job. It's a career. Build relationships, build community, and build your career at Busey Bank. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Well, guys, let's uh, talk a little, uh, let's talk some goats. Why don't we talk goat? Uh, and for the, the uninitiated, that's greatest of all time. Uh, Tom Brady it appears is going to be leaving Tampa. Uh, destination unknown, maybe retirement, who knows? He'll be 46 in August. Uh, if Brady leaves seven Super Bowl rings with him, is he the GOATS? Is it still Joe Montana? Um, who you guys got? Man, I, I, I got to believe, you know, it's probably Brady, but I, I, I do believe that Montana was really, really good. Um, you know, Brady was so – the longevity is what's amazing with him. I mean, he's 46 years old, guys. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, you're, he's like almost as old as we are. And we're doing radio shows because we can't play football anymore. And that ended a long time ago. So, yeah, I, I think his longevity is special. But, I'm, you know, I think if I'm picking one game and I want to win that game, I might pick Joe Montana. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm, I'm totally against the GOAT theory. And 
uh, football because it's such a team sport. You, you can't tell me that there's anybody who's discernibly a better passer than Dan Marino, um, but he just never had a defense in all the years he was there. Uh, and I remember a, a, a time I heard Tom Landry being interviewed and he just said that John Elway took three of the most god-awful teams on his shoulders and yeah. took them to Super Bowls. And then later on in his career, he got his two titles. I'm actually thinking if you could get him in his prime, I'm not certain I would take anyone over John Elway. Um, and I just think football is such a team sport. Or if you're going to go GOAT, how do you go over Jerry Rice with how he is compared to everybody else in the rest of the sport? The other two that I look at are um, Dick Butkus, total dominant player on horrific teams, and then Jim Brown, who who had every record in the book and retired before he ever hit 30. I, I, I do think there's a difference in football because you haven't said it's got to be positional. Like you, yeah. it's it's impossible to care compared to defensive yep. tackle and a quarterback. You know, I mean, I, I don't know, but you have to go maybe positional goat. But you know, here's here's the other question though: Who now? Who do you look at and say this guy? Maybe he could become the goat. Is it Patrick Mahomes? Burrow. Is it Joe Burrow? Could be Burrow. Could be Mahomes. I, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those guys. I mean, those guys are really good, right? I mean, we didn't think we certainly didn't think uh, Brady was going to be the goat when he was that age, and. Maybe it's going to be Jalen Hurts. Maybe it's Brock Purdy. He's going to be the greatest of all time. Jamar Chase, who's out to a fantastic start just a couple of years. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he is amazing. Fantastic. You know, I mean, you're exactly right. And, you know, another guy that from back of the day we haven't talked about who carried and excelled on some horrible teams is Walter Payton, um, the late, great Chicago Bear running back. Um, you know, he was passed by Emmett, of course, now the all-time leader. And Emmett deserves it. Take nothing away from Emmett. Um, you know, but but Payton did this, again, on on terrible teams i mean he had maybe yeah. three good teams he was on at the end of his career yeah barry sanders also pretty no, good guy he yeah. wasn't too bad stuck in detroit and uh yeah. Yeah, he, he he chose to be in detroit he could have signed a deal out in san francisco for less money and he took the big he took the big check and then retired early because they weren't competitive i i'm i'm not i'm not a huge barry sanders he was incredibly talented but he might have retired early because he wanted to be able to walk when he got older well, uh, yeah, I was going to say, if you're talking like greats, too, you know, you'd look at Earl Campbell, who can't walk now. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, awesome. when I watch those films and my, my kids watch it, they're like, is he trying to run into everybody as yeah. hard as he can? And I'm like, I think so. Some guys avoid tackles. He runs through tackles. Yeah. You know, two other guys, I think, that could be in the conversation if you begin to, to spread them out, you know, and again, take position by position, um, were the two two sports stars of years ago, Deion Sanders and and Bo Jackson were simply fantastic. And even though they split time, uh, imagine what what they could have been if they had yeah. played full time and not the other stuff um, on that. You know, the one quarterback question here's where I would give the nod to Brady of, of all the greats. And I, I've got to go back and look and make sure. But if you compare Brady and Montana, Brady was able to leave in the what we thought was the twilight of his career and win a title with another system. And that was one thing that Montana did not do with Kansas City. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. The other guy, I got to mention, probably the greatest defensive player I've ever seen, though, in this conversation, Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, yeah. He, he might be the most dominant defensive player I've seen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd also throw 
Ray, I'd also have to throw Ray Lewis and Reggie White, Reggie White is another into that into that yep. conversation yep. as well. I mean, that's why that's why when I look at, at like when we talk a goat, you're right, it has to be positional. But even then, even then, the team concept is so important in football, maybe more so than any other sport. Yeah, yeah. because it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. If we're the three wide receivers, he's going to yeah. suck. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think Dan Marino, Tom Brady. <laughs> And Joe Montana, all on the field at the same time, could do much with the three of us. So, <laughs> that's, that's exactly that's right. right. Joe, I can't believe it. I've never seen so many drop passes in, in one quarter, but the, these guys are horrible. So. How is this How is this guy winded when he's just run a five-yard out pattern? <laughs> he's he's just walking and he's tired. Exactly. <laughs> he plays one play. And it was off. a running play. <laughs> oh, I thought that was a nose tackle out there. Exactly. You know, that's a fun thing too about this kind of conversation is that you've, you know, the different eras are there. We haven't mentioned the greats of, you know, the Johnny Unitas, you know, or mm-hmm. he had mentioned Jim Brown, but you know, Paul Sammy Ball. His day was out. Sammy Ball. I mean, exactly. So that's what's fun about this. And I think looking at this weekend, um, what's exciting is to watch legends be made. And you've got them the AFC game with you've got we thought Mahomes was a prototype. Now here comes Joe Burrow, and we get for the second straight year to see the two of them. I mean, if it works out where and it, you know, Mahomes already has his long contract, Burrow about to get his long contract. These two guys could be, you know, the the Brady and Manning that we saw 15 years ago. And you and then you have Josh Allen can be the Brett Favre. Exactly. He's always Josh right Allen there. make move to the NFC. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a I'm position out. open in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So all right, we'll stay with us. We'll take a quick time out. Much more to come after this. If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 800-254-3218. 800-254-3218. That's 800-254-3218. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. It's a wild year in the Big Ten, as we just talked about with uh, Brandon Godden of Big Ten Network and Fox Sports. Only one ranked team this week, Purdue, and they're number one, after 10 different teams have been ranked this season. I mean, it is, again, it is so tough still eight, nine games into the, the Big Ten season um, to really know who the top four or five teams are. Yeah, I mean, Purdue has distanced themselves. They've got a two-game lead on everybody. But then you just take all the rest of those teams, and there's like a jumbled mess from from two to about maybe eight or nine. And it's you're just trying to like, I, I don't know who that is. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so you, I don't know whether to say they have a lot of depth or where they have a lot of slightly above average. I don't know what the, what the correct answer is. Yeah, it's interesting because if you take out Purdue and you take out Minnesota, 
you got 14 teams within three and a half games of each other. So <laughs> it's it's almost like, uh, you know, one of those jumbled things where you would take the magnetic, you know, one word and put the next word and you start, you know, putting them <laughs> together. That's kind of what we've got here. You know, as I look at it, to me, there's two teams that really stood out as that I was way wrong on. First off, apologies to Northwestern, at least as of right now at five and three, playing good, good ball. Um, and then the second one is um, Wisconsin coming off a loss this week at four and five. Um, those two teams, I, I would have reversed their their standings. Um, but beyond that, it's hard to know if anybody was right about anything. It really is. And, you know, I think Northwestern, you get a pass because Northwestern is, you know, look, one time in the NCAA tournament. And I think we going into the season, we thought maybe Chris Collins, look, if they don't do very well, maybe maybe he's on the hot seat. Um, but they're a much better team. But Brad Sturdy, something you always talk about. And and I know that um, you've had these discussions with Brad Underwood and the, and the Atlanta coaching staff is about getting old. And you look at the teams at the top, Zach Eady is a veteran. Um, Hunter Dickinson is a veteran. Rutgers has the same guys back as last year. Northwestern has veterans in Adige and Bowie. I mean, you know, that's where the difference is made. I think when you've got these veteran players who have been here before and have played in the Big Ten before, that's such a big difference. Yeah, I think that's totally, that's a huge part of it, having those veterans, those older guys that are able to to kind of steady your team and they've been through the wars and, and they make better decisions than, than maybe younger guys do and they understand situations, they've played on the road in these venues. We know the Big Ten tends to lead in attendance every year after year for basketball, so they know what it's like to play in these sold-out arenas when everyone hates you on the other side. So, um, I I, I really think that, especially in the backcourt, Zach Eadie's also, he's old, but he's also like two people on top of each other. <laughs> I swear he has stilts. There's no way that he's that tall. And so it's not really fair, but he's, he's, he's the difference maker, I think, for Purdue. I think, you know, he's really made them at another level and nobody else really has a guy that is that dominant. And so they can't really, maybe that's why they're separate. That's separated them a little bit from everybody else. Yeah, and it, it is, it's really interesting as you watch Purdue. Um, you know, Matt Painter just puts out good teams every year. And he, you don't see him at the top, you know, of the, the, you know, the top 10 best classes in, you know, for high school recruits. You don't see him leading, you know, the country in, in transfer portal signings. Yet somehow he manages to understand and recruit the players who fit his program, and then he keeps them at Purdue so that the team can age. You got to give him, you got to give him credit for doing a job well done. And he's doing it kind of old school, even though he's not that old. No, that's a, that's a great point. And um, boy, they're in it year in, year out. One of those teams, like you said, that he just probably doesn't get the credit. Um, and I think part of that is because Purdue is yet to make that big splash in in March, they had the Elite Eight game a few years ago against Tennessee, or I think it was Tennessee, or six, Sweet 16 game. Um, maybe it was Auburn, possibly. It was one of the, I don't know. But they were in the Auburn bracket, and when they had uh, the Edwards kid, and um, you guys know what I'm talking about. But anyway, but yeah, but it's that was the one year. But they, again, you know, they 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 would get to a point and then knock it further. I think that has hurt them. But um, you, you look at this, it's just funny how you've got just so few teams, um, even just two games over. Um, you know, 500. I mean, I, I remember looking the other night after the, the Northwestern win when they got the win and they were one of only four teams at that moment 
that were two games over 500 in the Big Ten. And we're almost halfway through the Big Ten season. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Great. It's parody. It's parody. It's it's the Big Ten is thinks of the NFL all of a sudden. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it is. And I, I do think um, the number of games they play in conference, I wonder if they ought to cut it back by a couple um, and maybe put one cupcake and put one tough team, you know, that, that is a nice inner regional game or something. Well, multiple coaches, Mike, have talked about the grind, you know, playing two day preps six times in a row. Um, both Illinois and Michigan State have hit that. And there's going to be a game in there. Illinois won five out of six during that stretch, but it's still a, it's a grind on your body and it, it makes it really tough to, uh, to, to play at your top level. I think so, you know, Michigan state did well in that stretch, but you know, how does it affect you later on in the season? You that grind and not, not, no, no rest in, in those preps. Well, and Brad, that's a good point. And that's my concern come March is that it is such a grind that you know, it may be one of those where we've kind of joked in the past that is it better if you lose early in your conference tournament to get a few extra days off, this may be one of those where you may see a team lose on Friday um, that you thought was a really good team. And it may try to be a godsend. You get a couple extra days rest uh, for your legs uh, on this. You know, one thing we just heard, you know, Brandon Godden uh, talk earlier when, when I was asking him about, you know, how do you project for the rest of the way? I mean, everyone's projecting Purdue to do well, and they probably will, but we'll see how these freshmen um, can do in the final 10 games for them. After that, it's, it's hard to predict who would be right now. You, each one of us, you could say, okay, who are the, the two, three, and four seeds come Big Ten tournament time? We probably would have three different teams, each of us, in terms of who that could be. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I was looking at which teams do I think can make a run in the NCAA tournament. I think obviously Purdue's the, a team. Uh, the other teams I think that are kind of built to make a run would be Illinois um, because they've, you know, a couple guys who can really make shots and really score and and they play really good defense. I think Michigan State has the guard play and the toughness maybe to make a run down the stretch. And, and then I think Rutgers is the other team. I think Rutgers has some pieces that could allow them to win a couple games um, in the NCAA tournament down the road. Indiana obviously is the team that was hyped all year. Maybe they could, but they're going to have to get healthy if they're going to. They got to get Johnson and Thompson back if they're going to make that run. Yeah, I would concur with that. I think. I think Indiana's the one that you you really think um, you know could could make some noise. Maryland and Wisconsin are hard to know what you get on any individual night. Um, I, I thought Ohio State had a really nice collection of athletes, um, but they just the sum has been much less than the parts, you know. And and I I just I'm being kind of surprised. I expected more out of them. <laughs> All right, great conversation. It continues uh, much more to come after this quick timeout. At Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini member FDIC. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 
That's 800-448-0828. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible, whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is. We're here to support it because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys radio network. Now, let's get back to the studio. All right, where we're talking NFL a bit earlier. Um, guys, Bears are the number one pick. Um, for Bears fans, I'm sure the consensus is they'll find a way to screw this up. Um, but what do you, what do you, who do you think they'll take or, or will they trade it? What are they going to do? Man, I, I really think you have to trade. If you think Justin Field is, Fields is your quarterback of the future, then you have to trade down to acquire more assets because that number one pick's valuable. And you could, if you can acquire two or three picks out of this, then I think two or three first round picks, maybe you know a little bit lower. I think that's the way to go. Um, if you don't think he's the guy, then you go take you know uh, Bryce Young. Yeah, you, you have to play a little bit of a game of chicken because if you do take the, uh, Bryce Young, you know, then you end up lowering the value, you know, of fields in, in terms of trade. So they, they've got to play a little bit of a uh, uh, little bit of poker here. But I do think that they need to get more picks and, and because this team has just so many weaknesses now that you, you can't just load up with one player. Yeah. And again, salary cap wise, you know, find those players that can fit yep. in, save you some money at the same time. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, a little college basketball. I want to get a little bit more in uh, before we close. Um, <laughs> guys, I mean, as Brad has said so many times, who wants to win this thing? I mean, I mean, Houston, uh, 20 point loss uh, as a favorite. Uh, Kansas losing three straight going into the weekend to take on Kentucky. Uh, North Carolina, number one preseason, fell completely off the rankings. I mean, What's going on in college hoops? It's really insane. I, I don't know. I mean, one day, you know, they look good and, you know, then they find a way to lose. I mean, I, you know, about the time you think somebody, you anoint somebody, oh, Kansas, they're going to be good again this year. They lose, they, they fall apart. Look like they, you know, they're really struggling. And then, um, then you've got, you know, I, I think they, Kansas lost three in a row. I mean, that's yeah. crazy for them. But, you know, then you've got teams like, Oh, now it's going to be Arizona. Well, then they lay an egg. And then it's Kansas State, and then they lay an egg. Tennessee, who's, who's next to lay an egg? And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can't figure out if there's there's no dominant team. There's no dominant team. And that's why I think the NCAA tournament is wide open. I mean, I don't think you, you know, yeah, they're, it's all about matchups. Now it's just going to be, do you match up well with that team? And if you match up well with that team, I don't care what they're ranked. You, you can pull that upset. Yeah, I think the matchups are going to be critical. I still like Houston better than I do anybody else because of their defense and that uber athleticism. But really, they, they couldn't hold on to the to the top ranking either. I really think this is going to be one of those um, tournaments that is is why I'm going to be very thankful I don't bet a lot because <laughs> I think you're going to see upsets galore this time. And matchups, the other thing is you can't afford to have a cold game in this NCAA tournament, because um, with the parody, the way it is, 
you got to play well or you're done. Yeah, you mentioned about uh, Kansas only the fourth time in Bill Self's 20 years that they've had a three-game losing streak. I mean, people talk about Self and Kansas and, you know, yeah, Big 12, did they really win this many, you know, consecutive championships, whatever. Listen, (laughs) Self's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's got two rings. He probably will get more before he's done. He's not a very old guy. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Um, Yeah, I know it's Kansas, but, you know, look, Ask John Shire. Doesn't matter, you know, the history of the program. Um, and that's something else too that I think is different about this year. That you, you know, for the first time um, since 1980, you don't have a Mike Shishovsky or a Roy Williams in the game. I mean, you know, this is a new Jim Beheim may not be in the tournament though. This week they had a great game I thought against North Carolina, but came up short uh, up at the, in the Carrier Dome. But uh, you know. It's it's a chance now for some new teams to come out. Um, Miami's playing well under Jim Laranega, who's an outstanding coach, who's also you know seventy. Um, Clemson's playing well in the ACC. We've talked about Purdue uh, right now. Gonzaga, you know, maybe a, a step back a little bit, but UCLA has come back strong after an early season, a couple of losses. So I think that's the fun thing where you get a chance to see some other teams. Uh, Kansas State with Jerome Tang, maybe the story of the year right now. Um, that's the fun part of March. That yeah, we may get a chance to see some some fresh blood in there. Yeah, and what happens if Chris Collins has a hot finish to the year at oh. Northwestern and John Shire doesn't at Duke? How you know? I mean, you've got a you got a Duke graduate who's putting together a good resume, and Shire's going to be on could be on the hot seat, you know, in a couple three years when you don't really expect that. Yeah, that's wild. It is wild. But here's the thing. You know what I would say? You get in the NCAA tournament. I would fear nobody out there. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. there are some years you go, I don't want to play that team. Oh, that team's a, right. there's no team that I go, they can't be beat. No, every team is beatable. And, you know, I, I'm not saying you're going to see another one sixteen, but I, I think you might see an eight or a nine beat a one this year. Yeah. It could be like we saw in 2014 with a seven seed and eight seed playing for the championship. Although I'm, I'm going to predict one thing on the record. That's crazy. I don't think Purdue is going to fall victim to a big upset because it's going to take a talented team to figure out how to defeat the seven foot four monstrosity that is Zach Eady. Yeah. I'll, 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 I, okay. I'll give you that. But as we know, any given night, if his shots aren't falling and the threes aren't falling, I mean, you know, we talk about Kentucky losing to St. Peter's Purdue did too. Yeah, I just yeah. I just feel like the, the way he's playing this year, yeah. he's going to get his 20 to 30, but you're right, the rest of the team's got to be there. Yeah. Yeah, the the one thing about them what they've done is they have won a they've won a few really close games where they've trailed down the stretch, but he is such a force that at the end of the game they're throwing the ball. Just throw it up at the rim and it's 7-4 guy and it's like it's like when I'm was coaching sixth grade basketball and I had the six, two kid. I mean, I, I was a really good coach. Just throw it to the six, two kid. He could, he made a layup. So it was really yeah, he reminds me of me when I play on a nerf hoop. <laughs> it's you very similar. I mean? He <laughs> makes more than you do though, Mike. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're like Matt Dillon and there's something about Mary, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're a star. So anyone, anyone who saw the movie, you know what I'm talking about. I won't get into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, we've got about a minute left. Uh, Mike, you've got a little wrestling tip you want to talk about. Oh, this weekend, folks, it's the Royal Rumble. The second biggest event of the year. They have a 30 man Royal Rumble to see who's going to take on Roman Reigns for the title at WrestleMania. 
rumors are, I don't think it's going to happen, but rumors are there's a possibility the rock might be make it back. I don't think it's going to happen, but, but maybe we see the rock versus Roman reigns. Roman reigns is the head of the table, the Samoan Superman, and he could end up going up against his uncle or cousin or whatever the rock is to him. That'd be a lot of fun. So you got to tune that in. I know Larry, you're going to be watching. It's on yeah. Peacock. Sturdy's Sturdy's got a blank look as well. I know he's gonna be watching too. So <laughs> hey, we gotta leave it there, unfortunately. <laughs> Roman Reigns, go baby, the rock. They're all about ratings. I, so. I'm still talking. I remember the macho man, Hulk Hogan, NWO, and that, since then I've been out. Yeah. So Andre the Giant. I mean, all the guys I knew were yeah. Rick Flair. Woo! Maybe Woo! that too. The your boy. Oh, and we're up against uh, the top of the hour. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk again on the same station at the same time next week. Take care. Enjoy. ILL. This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports, LLC, and JM Talent Productions. We'll be back next week on the Illini Guys Radio Network on these same stations across Illinois.